0: Welcome to One Chapel, we're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, well, uh, y'all, I love Christmas time. Do you love Christmas time? I love it it is the most wonderful time of the year some would say and I love the trees and I love the lights and I just I love the whole spirit of the season and I especially love Christmas music Christmas music is some of my favorite music and I just want to clarify for everyone here in the room today the appropriate day to start listening to Christmas music is the Friday after Thanksgiving there's some debate in culture but the people who say that's not true they're wrong and so that's the day that you can start. But here's the thing. If you, actually, like if you actually peel back the layers of Christmas songs that you grew up with, you find that it's not exactly always what you thought it was. You don't necessarily believe me. Let me prove it to you. I want you to think about the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Now, this is a song that essentially is about Rudolph who has some kind of a wild birth defect. Like, that's really what the song is about. And so, because of that birth defect, he is made fun of for his entire adolescence. Everybody mocks him. They make fun of him. They don't let him play in any of the reindeer games. Like, it's very mean. And so, really, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a story about bullying. That's what it's about. Until the moment where they need him to do something because of his birth defect. And so they take him, they abuse him, they take advantage of him, and Santa is a real disappointment, I just gotta tell you. You're, you're still not convinced, all right? Don't even get me started on Baby It's Cold Outside, all right? Like I don't, I don't even wanna talk about this song, but I'm gonna. So, so this song, this, here's, what, here's the deal about this song. That girl need to go home. Like just get up and go home. That guy's a punk. He doesn't have your best interest at heart. Get up, go home. Stop saying it, just go home. <laughs> if you gotta say, say what's in this drink? It's time to go home. <laughs> Call an Uber and go home, all right? It's madness, it's ridiculous. And then there's that classic, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. What in the world? And we sing it and it's cute and happy, but you know what? That kid is traumatized. That kid's not looking forward to a good Christmas. That kid thinks I'm getting my parents divorced for Christmas. Like that's about what's to happen here. So it's true. But I think Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's pray and go. Um, I think in the same way, though, as you start to peel back the layers of just the Christmas story itself, you start to realize, oh, this story is not exactly what I thought it was in the first place. Like, there's a little bit more than I understood when I first read this. And so we all know that if we're not careful, it's really easy for us to just allow the commercialism of the season to kind of overtake it. You know what I mean? Like, it's really easy to miss, because we all know the real reason for the, the season, but, but it's easy for us to miss it if we're not paying attention. Like, it's easy for us to kind of have a really nice Christmas with a little Jesus thrown in at the end, Right? Oh yeah, I gotta go, yeah we're going to go to the Christmas Eve service uh, 2 and 4 on December 24th <laughs> just, just So we think about that and Instead of the real reality Which is, this is about the incarnation everybody This is God coming to be with us This is the most beautiful and fantastic part of our faith It's an amazing moment to, to celebrate And so it's really easy to do that Rather than having, celebrating the real Christmas season The incarnation And just having a little bit of commercialism Tossed in for fun And so I don't want us to do that. When when we retell the story every year, we kind of go through the list of characters, right? You talk about Joseph, you talk about Mary, you talk about the baby Jesus. But then there's all these people on the outsides of the story. And so for us, we look at Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and of course we go, oh, these are biblical heroes of faith. And so there's no way that I could ever compare with those guys. But then we get to the other people like the wise men, the shepherds, King Herod, and we go, oh, maybe I identify a little bit more with them because they seem like they're kind of on the outskirts of the story. Well, the reality is you're not on the outskirt of the story. You are center to it because God himself has placed his focus, his gaze, his love and affection on you. So actually you are in the middle of this story. But a lot of times we don't feel like it. We just feel like I'm, I'm more like the shepherd. Like I don't, I don't really identify with Mary or Joseph, the great heroes of the story. But Herod, like the tyrannical, uh, the tyrannical uh, paranoid tyrant guy, I, I, I resonate with that. That's me around the holiday season, right? <laughs> Especially at Christmas parties. I relate to that. Well, there's this prophecy, prophecy in Micah that I think is so interesting. And it's hundreds of years before Jesus is gonna show up on the scene. And you actually find bits of this as you read the Christmas story in the New Testament. But it's cool to read it here where it comes from in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And it says, But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter. Everybody say runt. runt. The runt of the litter. Of course, this is the message version. I'm the last of six kids, so I get this verse. The runt of the litter. From you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. I love this because God chooses the runt to be the place where his son and his rescue mission for the whole earth would come from. So for this series, what we're doing is we're kind of looking at these people that you might consider the runts, the people on the outskirts. Because if that's you, if you feel like you're on the outside today, this story is for you. So we're looking at the people on the outside of the story and how did they deal with the Christmas story? What did they do with the coming of Jesus? And last week, of course, we talked about the wise men. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds. Now, most people in America are familiar with the passage we're talking about today, even if they rarely read the Bible. Because every December since 1965, in between televised versions of The Grinch stealing all the presents from Whoville and George Bailey running down the streets of Bedford Falls, waving and yelling Merry Christmas at buildings, and yes, even poor Rudolph the Red-Nosed Bullied Reindeer. We see the story in the Christmas classic. We watch Linus in A Charlie Brown Christmas as he comforts his friend Charlie Brown and reminds him of the true meaning of Christmas. Christmas. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time, you really did it. <laughs> what a tree! <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Don't you love that? It's like when I see that and I hear Linus read Luke 2, I feel like, oh, now it can be Christmas time. But I wonder sometimes if it just gets a little too familiar. Like for some of us, we've been watching this since 1965. <laughs> so you think, yeah, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Oh, it's, it's really good. But it's a little ordinary. It's a little mundane. Like I, I'm kind of used to it a little bit. Well, there's this old saying that's, I think, attributed to Geoffrey Chaucer, the author. And it says, familiarity breeds contempt. You heard it? Familiarity breeds contempt contempt. So being too familiar means that I disregard something that I really should be taking into account. And so I think we've heard this story, the Christmas story, so many times, every Christmas, in fact. And you've got Jesus born in the manger. You've got the shepherds and the wise men, and they come to visit him and worship. It's the same old ordinary story. But here's the thing. I think that our familiarity with the ordinary can actually cause us to miss what God is doing. I think we can miss what God wants to do in each of our lives and in our church. But what does God actually have to say about the ordinary and the mundane? Because if you're going to talk about ordinary and mundane, you're going to talk about the shepherds. Like these guys are plain ordinary guys. And shepherds are one of the most common literary pictures in the scriptures. It's a metaphor for God in Psalm 23. Uh, Moses is a shepherd. You've got David in 1 Samuel 17 being a shepherd. The shepherd is the great role of Jesus and the pastor of God's flock in 1 Peter 5. Like as you read through, you find it over and over and over and over again, this picture of the shepherd. It's pretty ordinary. Shepherding was a really important job, but it was not all that respectable. But you got to think about these guys. They're just common, ordinary, poor men out there watching sheep. They're kind of sitting at the bottom rung of the social ladder. In some ways, they're social outcasts and social recluses. So, I mean, shepherds, they're out all day in the fields, watching over the sheep under the hot sun, keeping watch over the flock by night, herding them this way and herding them that way, going off to chase down one of them that wanders off every now and then, getting a little bit bored ends up being kind of a Kristoff and Sven thing where they end up starting having conversations with one another. How's it going? Oh, I don't know. How are you? Like, it's, a, it's a whole thing that starts to go on and get really weird. It's demanding, uh, de- demeaning sometimes, sweaty, ordinary business being a shepherd. And they don't wash very often, frankly. Like there's no place to shower out there. They do not smell good. There's no Target. There's no Walmart, Walgreens out there. We, they can go grab a stick of Old Spice and take care of business. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't happen And so you think this About shepherds too You know why I know this Because when you set up Your nativity scene This is what we all do You kind of take Mary Oh Mary The mother of Jesus That's how we do it At my house Do you not do it that way (laughs) Oh Joseph You take Joseph And put him down Thanks for not putting The woman away (laughs) Take the little baby Jesus Jesus And we stick him there In the center of the story Then you get the wise men and you're like, oh, the wise men bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. Thank you for your worship. They don't even go there. It was probably two years later. They don't belong in the scene. You need to go home and smash those guys from your nativity sets. (laughs) And then you get to this other guy and you're like, who's this guy? Oh, he's got a sheep. Oh, it's a shepherd. It's a shepherd. You kind of place him on the outside. He just kind of sits out there, and he's kind of peering over, trying to see over the wise men, see what's going on, and if Jesus is really there. So even the wise men, they, they had names, right? Traditionally, they called them Caspar, Melchior, I think, and Balthazar. If you're about to have a kid, by the way, really good options here. I'm just saying. You should consider these. They're really good. But shepherds are nameless and ordinary. So you put them on the outside of the scene, kind of looking in, hoping to get a better view. That's how we see them, and oftentimes that is how we see us just kind of the outside, just hoping to get a glimpse of what Jesus is really doing. But is that really the way that God sees them in us? Because the reality is, the only announcement that God makes for the birth of Jesus is to shepherds. This is the only record that we have, the only announcement that he makes for the birth of Jesus is to shepherds, and we would never do this. Never, when we have babies today, what happens? It is all over Facebook. Immediately, we're hiring people and doing photo shoots for these little babies. And guess what? When they're first born, they're not that cute. <laughs> Gets better over time. It does. Don't at me. It's true. We, we've, got, we've got videos. We've got Insta stories. We've got postcards going out. We Some people put it in the newspapers. Oh, sorry, that's a black and white news source. It's printed on paper. Some of you are familiar with that. And then, of course, there's the infamous gender reveal. Could we just decide as a church to not? (laughs) Could we just let the madness go? Like it's fine if you want to cut a little cake and it's blue or pink or whatever, it's fine. But people are using alligators I saw this week. One guy made a huge paper mache figure of his own wife. Double the size with a huge stomach. And it gets worse. He popped out of it. He broke through the stomach and was like, it's a boy. (laughs) And I've had nightmares ever since. In Arizona, somebody had a bomb and it burned 47,000 acres. Like, it's enough. Just stop with the gender reveal. But that's what's become common and ordinary in our day. We need to pray. It's common and ordinary in our day. But God doesn't do any of that. So you're God and you want to announce the most amazing and joyous news of all time, right? Like this is the event that literally will change the course of history. This is God himself wrapped in flesh, the savior of the whole world for all time. The the one that Israel has been waiting and longing and praying for for thousands of years. And this is it. After all the waiting, the king has finally come. Who are you going to tell the news to? Certainly not the shepherds. Wouldn't you make this announcement to all the religious leaders of the day? Wouldn't Pastor Ross and Amy be right at the top of your list? Wouldn't you go to the religious and political leaders? Wouldn't you invite military leaders? Wouldn't you invite the business leaders and the media to show up? Wouldn't you DM all the influencers and get them to spread the word for you? This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of everything. But not one of those people were invited. Not one of them got the announcement. The only ones that did were a few poor, dirty, ordinary, stinky shepherds. Mundane on the fringes of society, why did God reveal himself to plain old stinky guys? So that the plain old stinky rest of us would know that we belong. In our state as we are, we belong. We're not on the outskirts of the greatest story. We're actually in the center of it. And he wanted to make a world shattering point to you and to me that God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God chooses, picks, ordinary people like you to do extraordinary things in the earth. See, God is so antithetical to the way that we operate or the way we think he should operate. And that's why so many times in our lives, we miss him. We miss out on what he's doing. We miss out on where he's going because we take him, and we try to put him in our man-made little box. We stuff him in there. This is how God operates. This is how God speaks to me. This is how God moves in the earth. This is what God's gonna do. And then we open up our man-made box and look inside and we're mad at him because he's not in there. He's so far above us. In fact, to the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Thank God for that, because I'm a mess. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Thank God for that, because I'm kind of an idiot. That's not funny. Don't laugh at that. I'm being vulnerable with you right now. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Like it just would have made sense though to make the announcement to extraordinary people. Tell all the leaders, get the word out. But he wanted to show you and me part of his nature that he loves you and he wants to interact with you. So because of the shepherds, we understand today that to those people that think you're un- undeserving today, God says to you, I choose you. To those who think that they're incapable can't do it, God says, I'm gonna work through you. To people who think God doesn't see them, he says, oh, I see you. And I'm working on your behalf right now. To those who don't have it all together this morning, God says, it's okay, I have it all together and I can take care of you. To those who think that God doesn't care about you, he's whispering to you today through this story and saying, I love you. So God chooses ordinary means and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Pick any Sunday school story and you'll see that is how God does it. In fact, look at Jesus' disciples, the guys that he handpicked to follow him as they're in trouble standing before the Sanhedrin. In Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So for those of us who go, I feel a little unschooled. I don't feel like I got the goods. I want you to see this. People just feel like I'm just an ordinary Joe just trying to... Make my way through the world. I want you to see this. They were astonished by what they would say and do. Why? Because they recognized they've been with Jesus. I see Jesus on them. The question we should be asking ourselves today is, can that be said of us? Do people see Jesus in and on and through us? So I want to return to the Christmas story here for a minute, and I just want to breeze through it and see what we should learn from the shepherds before we go. Linus already read Luke chapter 2 for us. So the angel shows up, says, don't be afraid. And then he gives them this incredible news. And the company of angels shows up. It's an amazing moment. What I want you to see is, is that ordinary people witness extraordinary events. It happens all the time. Ordinary people witness extraordinary events. And no doubt about it, these ordinary shepherds, they witnessed something that was phenomenal. Right? God revealed something extraordinary to some really ordinary people. The angel shows up, don't be afraid. And I never understood this. Happens over and over through the scriptures. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like it's God's cosmic joke. It just seems to me like God's up there going. I love it every time. Do it again. Let's get married. I don't know. It's weird. I, I really like the, I like the story though. Fear not. And he gives them the message. And then there's this amazing concert that goes throughout the sky. I mean, Kanye and Sunday service got nothing on this choir. Like it's amazing what's happening in the sky. And I don't know what they're singing, Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A, you my number one. Some of you are so confused right now. (laughs) Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Why is that? You're you're missing the point. But this massive concert is happening, celebrating the God of the universe, the birth of his one and only son. There's this angelic light show happening. So did you ever think about this? What did that really look like? Because as I recount it and I read through it, I think, so there's a big choir in the sky over Bethlehem. Like Jerusalem's, I've been to Jerusalem and you can see Bethlehem just, it's right over the hill, it's just right there. You can see it standing there. So, so there's this massive choir of angels in the hurry and scurry and the bustle of the day-to-day life in Jerusalem. People running around, the census happening. What's going on here? There's a choir singing. Is there a, There's a massive invitation. I mean, were they loudly singing? Could people hear it? Are they shouting, glory to God? I don't know what it looks like, but there's a ruckus going on. Thanks, dad. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a ruckus going on. There's an invitation that's happening. So was the invitation to Jesus' birth right there, and anybody could have seen it, but only a few saw it. We don't know for sure what the scene looks like. What we do know is, is that the the shepherds, they looked up. We don't know what happened. We don't know what it looked like, but we know that the shepherds, they looked up. Is it possible there's people running around Jerusalem? It's happening right over there, but they just don't see it because their heads are down. Their pace of life, their way of life, their humility, it was slow enough so they could actually see the extraordinary. Here's Here's the reality. God reveals himself to people who are available. God wants to reveal himself to people who will be available. But most of us are totally consumed with our own busyness, right? Hurry, scurry, digital distraction in our lives. Our lives are overrun. They're overscheduled. We're calendared. We're overwhelmed. And we go from one event to the next, from work to Christmas party. I got to get my kids ready in the morning. I got to get them to school. And there are so many stupid costumes they have to wear during this holiday season. You're killing me. Moms know what I'm talking about we got hobbies, a church even fills up our calendars. And on top of all that, we're buried in our phones. Like we all know it, we all talk about it. Not, not me. We're all buried in our phones. Most adults spend at least three hours a day looking down at their phone. Students are more than that, four hours and beyond. And all of this blinds us to the revelation of God's miracles that are working in us every day big ones like the one we're talking about here in the story, but also the little ones like what he's doing in the lives of my children day to day. And we slow down long enough to put our phones down and pray and go to church. Our minds are still moving at this frenetic pace. We can't seem to quiet down. It's author and theologian Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. I think it's true. And so we don't look up. Last year I had a moment where I didn't look up. We're getting ready to set the tree up. We like to set it up on uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, which again is the only day you should listen to Christmas music, I just wanna be clear about that. So, (laughs) you're welcome. So, we're setting the tree up and I said to my kids and my wife, I said, hey you guys, I got a great idea. I got an incredible tree that we're gonna put up. I've got a good scheme for it, it's amazing, it's beautiful. Man, I don't know, I don't really remember where I got it, certainly it wasn't on Pinterest, but, um." but I had this tree in mind and it was gold and it was silver and it was beautiful. So the kids are like, ooh, what about these ornaments that, that mom has from her growing up years? These, these wooden ones that are all kinda busted and the paint's falling off and ugly, what about these? And I was like, oh yeah, that's not really for this tree, I think. Cause I got a theme, I got a thing going on down here on this tree. And so let's put the fake tree upstairs, the nappy one with the mice in it, you guys can have that one. And you can put all the busted up ornaments on that tree. I know what you're thinking. I'm a great dad. <laughs> and so we put up the tree, and it was beautiful, man. I mean, insta-worthy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was nice. And I said, what do you guys, what do you think? Kids, what do you think? What do you think of our tree? And they said, yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm just a little sad. And I felt like the biggest jerk in the world. And so I learned a lesson. I didn't look up. I had my head buried down. I had a a thing I was trying to do. I didn't look up. And so I decided to look up. And so after that Christmas, I said, never again. And so this Christmas, we put up the tree and I said, whatever you guys want to do. What kind of lights do you want to put up there? What kind of ornaments? The busted up ugly ones? Yeah, let's do all that. Let's put all those up. And they did. They put up every busted, painted, chipped up ornament on that thing. And do you know what? It is the greatest tree I think we've ever had in our living room. Why, why is it so great? Because I looked up. Because I looked up and saw what was going on in the lives of my children. Because I looked up and I saw my family. We just don't look up. Listen, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you available? Are you available? Is your pace of life such that you can witness what God is doing in this season? So would you consider making some changes this season? Would you consider slowing down a little bit? This week I realized we weren't gonna be able to watch the Christmas movies that we like to do every year. I'm sure you have yours that you enjoy watching, like Elf and Home Alone, we gotta get those in. But I looked at Maria and said, we're over scheduled. We don't have a night where we can do this. And so we sat down with the calendar, we moved some things around, we shifted, we found a little space here and here and here. We're gonna make sure that we look up, that we pause and see what's going on with God and what he's doing in our family. Would you do that? Would you maybe consider putting your phone down over the season? Maybe just pick a time, like a couple hours at night. Maybe just from 7 to 9, I'm just going to put my phone away. What if on Saturday you just took your phone and you just put it in a, de- in a drawer and you just closed it? Whoa, but people are going to need to text me. I promise, none of us are really that important. And it'll be fine if you pull it out a little bit later. And I tell you, the benefit that you're going to get out of that will be so much greater. So much greater. Why? Because you looked up. What if you wake up a little early and you go sit and sit in front of the tree and Just let God speak to you with your Bible open. What if you got an Advent devotional, you walked through it with your family, or sit down to coffee with some friends, and just read through it, and just look up. You know what God says about this? The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Everybody, we can do extraordinary things if we'll just look up. The second thing that we learn from the shepherds The angels leave in Luke chapter two, and they say, "Hey, let's go and see this thing. What's happened? That the Lord has that the Lord has told us." And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and the baby. So the second thing that I want you to see today is that ordinary people they do extraordinary things. We don't just get to witness them; we get to do them because they're still processing what the angel said, and they're saying, "Okay, you guys, I think we're maybe supposed to go see this baby." And so they do. They just leave the sheep there, apparently. And I don't know how that worked, but who's going to stay after Kanye just said, hey, there's a thing going on. So they all decide to go see the, sh- the, the, the baby Jesus. They go and look, and they didn't just see something extraordinary. What happens is they do something extraordinary. And I don't know what it looks like, but they're going around the city. You can imagine they're knocking on doors, and doors are opening up. And just picture how it probably went, hey, uh, you, guys, you guys got any babies in there? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how this worked, but they had to fan out. They had to go and see. And so I imagine there's probably some fist fights and doors slammed in their face. I don't know what it looked like. But finally, they stumble across this stable because they hear the cry of a newborn baby. And they say, Oh, hi, can, can we come in and see that baby? Because we saw an angel. And I think, That's the manger. They said there would be a manger. That's the manger. And there's a baby in that manger. I think this is the Messiah. And they walk in and see. Now just hold up for a second because you've got to remember Mary and Joseph. They'd also been visited by angels. And so, but since that time, they've been on a really long journey. It's been really hard. And now there was no room in the inn. Now they're staying in not the best circumstances. The Son of God is in a feeding trough. And Mary and Joseph have got to be thinking, I think we missed it. I think we messed this up. Where is God in all of this? And the shepherds show up and they witness something extraordinary and they saw God wrapped in human f- flesh. But they also brought God with them when they showed up. Because what this is, is another confirmation to Mary and Joseph, who had probably lost their courage a little bit, that God had not abandoned them. But God was still at work and God still saw them. They did something extraordinary for Mary and Joseph just by being ordinary. This is what God does with us because he's here and he's with us. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. He's talking about you and me. But we have to be willing in our ordinariness, in our woundedness, with all of our bags to just say, I'm just gonna do whatever you say. I'm gonna obey what you say. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna be a blessing to the people around me. I'm gonna go and serve them. Actually, most of you have an experience with this because you participated in our $50 challenge. Do you remember that? And the worry and the fear about what are they gonna say? What's gonna happen? I don't know what to do, but you understand this. And everybody that participated in the $50 challenge had to take the risk. Is this the person? What are they gonna say back to me? The shepherds had to risk too. I mean, they left their sheep. I gotta assume the boss was mad about that. They might have lost their jobs here. I have no idea. They're looking around the city trying to find him, but they did something extraordinary for Mary and Joseph. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, if I had an angelic choir, I'd have the courage to do more things too. You have the spirit of God living in you. You, you, God himself resides in you. You don't need a choir of angels, as fun as that would be, So here's the thing, we can do some extraordinary things if you'll just take the risk. If you'll just decide, I'm gonna step out, I'm gonna do it. And so the story continues, Luke chapter 2, verse 17. They saw him, they spread the word, and the scripture says that everybody was astonished and amazed at what they had heard and seen. And so the third and final thing is this, that ordinary people tell extraordinary stories. Ordinary people like you and me, we get to tell some extraordinary stories. After some time, maybe they're praying or just standing or sitting in silence and awe with the baby, they left. They go back out into the world, these humble, ordinary men, to spread the word about what they had seen and heard. You guys won't believe what we've seen. It's the Savior, it's the Messiah born in Bethlehem. Ordinary, simple, smelly shepherds. And everybody that heard it was amazed. And here's the thing it was pretty simple. No big sermons. They didn't sit down and say, do you got three points to that sermon? Because a three-point sermon really does the trick. I do have three points today. There was no theological treatise. They just told their story. They didn't seek out religious professionals and ask them for a second opinion. They didn't argue over whether or not that was really a manger. Well, I don't know, because in the original language, I'm not sure that was the manger. In the they didn't do any of that. They just went and told what they had seen and heard And everybody, that's all that you need to do There's all this pressure to have all the answers And you don't need to have any of that You just need to go and tell What you've seen and heard Jesus do in your life It really is that simple And just testify to the goodness of God in you This is talked about in Luke chapter 7 verse 18 John sends his disciples to go, Jesus, to say, hey, are you the one that we should expect or should we expect somebody else? And it says, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And so he replied to the message, hey, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. There it is. Go back and tell John what you've seen and heard just now. The blind received sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The shepherds, all they did was they believed, they obeyed, and then they told everybody what they experienced. That's all God's asking you to do. Go and tell what you've seen and heard. And by the way, you already do this in your life because you sit in a movie trailer before the movie and it ends and what do you do? That looks pretty good. I think I'm gonna go see that. You say, that doesn't look very good. I think we should skip that. You see a YouTube video that you like, oh, I gotta share that. Oh, my friend's are gonna love this There's some salacious gossip at work Ooh, I can't wait to tell somebody <laughs> We all do this in our lives all the time Some of you share way too many food pics on Instagram 23 food pics over the past five days It's out of control <laughs> And then you stop short of like Oh, I, I couldn't possibly say or tell somebody What God has done in my life I'm not trying to bring any condemnation to you I just want you to see it Right? You should be way more embarrassed about the 23 food picks than you should about what Jesus <laughs> is doing in your life. <laughs> and just be able to tell it. Step into the next cubicle and say, hey, I know you're going through something this holiday season. I want to tell you what Jesus has done in me. Like, it's that easy. You say, well, well yeah, but what But what if What if they freak out? What if they say, I don't want to hear about that Jesus? What if what, what if, what if, what if? Who cares? The outcome is not for you to be worried about. The outcome It's his responsibility. Our responsibility is just to go and tell what we've seen and heard. And let him do the rest. We do our ordinary stuff. God does the extraordinary things. Maybe your story is not as dramatic as Mary and Joseph. I get that. But God is involved and God has done things in you. And I know you could grab one thing and just be able to tell about his interaction with you. And I just wanna challenge you. Would you be open to recognizing in the ordinariness, in the mundane part of your days, would you just be open and have new eyes to see what God might be doing? Miracles, both big and small, because we can do extraordinary things if we'll just tell our story. That's all you gotta do. Let me close. I want the rest of the band to come on up. I love how it says, this passage, He says, This message is for all people. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the ones who know all the scriptures. It's not just for the successful. It's not just for the good looking or good smelling, apparently. This is for all people. And how does God get that message across to you and me? He chooses some ordinary, plain old, run of the mill shepherds. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.